You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We've been in a series called Everyday Jesus, and it is all about how God hasn't just invited us into uh, uh, to participate in, in his kingdom and his life. Uh, just on Sundays, we tend to compartmentalize our, our life into Mondays and weekends and Sundays. God wants us every day. So that's kind of where we've been the last several weeks, and we have two uh, primary passages that are kind of been our theme verses for this entire series in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is trust the Lord with all of your heart. Everybody say all, all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways, everybody say all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. God and the rest of the week, every day Jesus, Monday through Sunday, including the weekend. The second passage that has been kind of our theme is one of my favorites is Matthew 6.33, and that is, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things. Ever say all these other things? If you can understand even what I said, uh, will be given to you. Uh, that means seek his kingdom, his will, and his righteousness. That's his ways. God wants us to put his kingdom, his will, and his ways before all things. I like to say that looking at uh, the kingdom of God first is like looking at the world through lenses, like, like I wear my glasses. The world is, is clearer, crisper. Uh, it's not blurry. It's not fuzzy. There's, I have clarity when I look through the lens of God's will and his way first. So that's kind of been uh, the heart of what we're doing And uh, what are God's will and way? That's the question today. What is God's will and way? How do we know what God's will is? How do we know when we have choices and decisions and and options every day to do things and to to go places or, or we get opportunities? How do we know what is God's will and way? Now, I don't know about you, but I, I like to dream. You know, I'm a dreamer. Uh, I'm the kind of person that I like to think and pray about all that God would have uh, for me uh, as a minister, as a person, as a husband, as a father. And, and I like to think, God, what do, you, what do you have for me? And I, and I usually think really big thoughts and really big dreams. And, and sometimes I wonder how many, of that, how many of those dreams are my dreams and how many of those things are God's dreams? And, and what is my will and what is God's will? How can I know God's wills and plans for me, his will and his plan for me? How can I know his wisdom in the decisions that I make? How can I know that I am in the middle of his will? That's one of the great questions you'll ever ask. How can I know that I'm in the middle of God's will on Monday through Saturday the rest of the week? Or how is it that I know that I'm in my will? You know, a lot of times we look at God's will as a corn maze. Anybody ever been in a corn maze? It's like $45 for 45 minutes of misery, you know? Uh, you, you get in there and you're just, it's itchy and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, hot. Uh, if it's in the fall time, it's just itchy. <laughs> and you wonder, man, uh, we, we think that, that God's will is kind of like a corn maze and that, and that there's only one way out uh, in this life. 
and, and, and that if we make the wrong turn, we're going to be stuck and trapped and, and we're going to have to backtrack and we're going to have to fix everything. And if we take the wrong turn, we're destined for despair, stuck and confused, fated for failure. So a lot of times that's how we look at God's will, but God's will doesn't really look like that. So what I want to tell you first to define what this idea the Bible says about the will of God. There's actually different definitions or, or implications of the will of God. So what does it mean when we talk about the will of God? Um, and there's additional scriptures in your notes. Uh, if you'd like to look up these uh, scriptures later on, uh, there's, there's four types of will that I'm going to mention today. And the first one is, is God's decretive will. What's that mean? That means his decreed or decretive, his decreed or sovereign will. That is the fact that God is Lord of all and he's always in charge. He is sovereign and always king. There's not a moment when God is not in charge. And there are things that he has decreed that will be done. Isaiah 46 says, remember this, keep in mind, take to heart, you rebels. I like this attitude that Isaiah gives. It's kind of funny. You rebels. He says, uh, how many of you ever said that to your kids? You rebels. Um, I have. Uh, I am God, as a joke. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Verse 10, I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. And I say, he says, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. That's Isaiah 46. God is in charge. God is accomplishing his will always. He is sovereign. This is a reflection of God's character. All right? So when I talk about the sovereign will of God, I'm talking about a lot of times his character. His, his will is, is, he is uh, omnipotent. That means he is all powerful. That means he is able to do whatever he wills to do. Whatever he wants to do, he does. And it always gets done. That's his decretive will. And then there's God's uh, preceptive will. That is his moral or revealed will. This is what God has commanded. This is his will uh, that he gives us from his love and for our good and for his glory. Even if we don't like his decreed will, he does his will and he gives his will for our good and his glory. This is the word of God. This is, the, this is that kind of will. This is the, the uh, next one. That was the, the proceed of will. This is what God has commanded. Now, some of you, you don't like what God says in his word. Some of you guys, you don't, you don't, like, you don't like that part. You don't think it applies to you. Or you, you think maybe it's out of order or, or, or maybe it's old school or whatever. Well, God has uh, given his directive in his word for our good. Because he loves us. He created us and he knows what will work for us. Some of those uh, perceptive wills would be as simple as the Ten Commandments. He gives these for his good and for our glory. I'm sorry, for our good and his glory. Oh, you caught that. I'm glad. Because the Ten Commandments is not about, um, you know, making God feel good. It's about making him look good. And God loves us. So, for instance, when he says, uh, don't murder, don't lie, or don't steal, don't cheat, and don't, don't envy things. He says these, these perceptive moral will for our life, for our good. 
and for his glory. We have his, his will given to us. Micah says that there's one thing that God requires from all of us. And he says and that we are to love mercy, do justice, walk humbly. Uh, the Bible says that we are to live pure lives and that we are to allow our character ref to reflect his character, that we are to love one another and, uh, and to walk out love. These are his uh, perceptive will, his, his moral revealed will for our lives, for our good and his glory. And then there's the, there's the, the decretive, the perceptive, and then there's the directive will. The directive will is when God specifically leads you or guides you in a specific direction in your life at a specific time for a specific reason. The directive will is rare. This is, when, this is when God says, for example, I want you to, to do this specifically. Now, sometimes it happens if you're listening to God, probably, uh, can, can be kind of regularly if you're sitting at work and God says, hey, I want you to get up. You feel impressed on your heart. God wants you to get up and go sit with somebody and just build a relationship and to reach out to them and, and, and share the hope and life of Christ with them. That, that, is, that is a very clear directive. You know, if you're at home and you see, you look out your window and you see your neighbor uh, doing some work and God puts on your heart to get up and go outside and to go uh, encourage them or help them and just assist them so you can build a relationship with them so that uh, in, through that relationship you might introduce them to the hope of, of life, Jesus Christ. That is a directive. You know, if you're in a classroom and God says, hey, move from this table to this table, build a relationship with this person, that is a God's directive will. These things happen in our life as God gives us specific moments of clarity. We see this throughout the New Testament in the book of Acts primarily with the Apostle Paul. And then there is God's discerned will. And this is what I want to talk about today primarily. His discerned will is, is God, what should I do in this area of my life, this choice, this decision, where should I go? You see, when we filter our decisions through God's decretive will, his character, and through his perceptive will, his word, we usually find the answers for his discerned will. But sometimes, even after the filter, we're still confused. Sometimes, uh, we, we, we get through the filter of God's word and we might even have some wise counsel from a friend. Sometimes we get confused and we need a little bit more discernment on God's will in our life. And that is what I want to talk about today. What is God's will and plans for our life? For example, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Uh, you know, if you're filtering this through God's word and you ask yourself, should I sleep with this person? God's word says, well, if you're not married, the answer is no. That's, that's how you're filtering it through his perceptive will. You don't really have to, to seek discernment on that. Should I live with this person? We're not married, but we love each other. Well, his perceptive will says no, because it doesn't honor him and it's not ultimately for your good. So you have to make choices of God's will based upon his, uh, his decretive and his perceptive. But sometimes we get through that and we're like, well, sh should I take this job? And you're like, you know, should I move? How should I spend my money? All these are often answered through his perceptive will. But sometimes after the filters, we still don't know what to do. 
We still don't know about that relation, class, job, or career. And we just say, God, can you just tell me what to do? You ever been there? God, just, can you just tell me what you want? Can you just tell me where to go? Can you, can you just tell me what I should do right now? Well, what is God's plan and his will? I want you to write this down. God's will is more a meandering path than a series of, uh, or a set of doors. See, a lot of times we think that God's will is like uh, doors, and we have, you know, door number one, door number two, door number three, like let's make a deal, you know? If you've ever, that's a, it was an older show, but it's kind of had a revival with, with the new episodes, and let's make a deal was a game show, and they would get people out of the crowd, they, and, and they would give them, uh, uh, they would give them some, maybe some money, you know, a roll of money, and they'd say, all right, you can have this money, or you can take what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. Which would you like to pick, one, two, or three? And they're like, uh, everybody's going, three one, door number two. And you're like, but they got this, you know, wad of money in their hands. And like, what do they do? So you have a choice. And a lot of times we think God's will is like, man, it's like, it's, do I sit with what I have or do I, God, what door should I pick? Listen, God's will is more a meandering path than it is a set of doors. That's because his ultimate goal is not to confirm your decisions, but to conform your will. It's about conforming us into his image. It's less about doors and more about paths. So I'm going to give you, uh, give you two passages today, and um, I'm going to try to go as fast as I can because there's going to, I'm going to share a lot today. So um, just kind of hold on. We're going to go through a lot today. Two passages that talk to us about the first one about God's plans for us, and the second, God's will for us. Uh, here's the first one. Um, Four things about understanding God's plans. Now, Jeremiah 29, you guys might know the passage, you know, the, the plans I have for you are good. But I want you to know the context of that passage. In Jeremiah 29, Israel was just taken as, as many of them were just taken as slaves. The, the youngest, the brightest, uh, all the young men, uh, the best of their nation were taken into captivity, into Babylon, leaving in Israel a bunch of motherless, I'm sorry, uh, fatherless families, uh, wives without their husbands, and kids that were taken off into bondage. You know, some of the guys that were taken into bondage are like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. It was during that time. And so back in Israel, a bunch of families were like missing their husbands and missing their kids and, and just wondering, God, where are you? What happened? God, everything's falling apart. And, you know, I know we were disobedient, but you allowed this to happen. And then now here we are separated and they're slaves and, and, and forced to do things they don't want to do. And we're out here uh, without help and all alone and destitute in a city that has been destroyed. So uh, the, their family's taken into exile. They're confused. And, and this is what Jeremiah, who is a prophet in Israel, said to them during this time. That's the context. So let's read the verses before and after that very famous passage. It tells us about God's plan. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says, Jeremiah says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon. That means you're going to be in bondage. They're going to be slaves for at least 70 years. They're going to suffer. And they're going to be in a position where they don't want to be. And they're going to struggle. And you're going to struggle 70 years. 
Then he says, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. God says, I have a plan, but it may not, uh, but you may not like it. <laughs> this is, right? He says, I got a plan. It's going to be a good plan, but you're not going to like it. He said, but realize this. Verse 11, this is the famous verse, for I know the plans. This is God, it says, I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He says, the plans I have for you, even if it doesn't look like there's a plan happening right now, there's a plan. And then he says, then, because of my plan to leave you there for a while, he says, I'm going to leave you there for a while. You're going to be alone without family. You're going to 70 years some of you may not even live to see it, all right? Some of these guys, some of your kids that went off may be, may be coming home as old men, and it may be just their kids that are coming home. Think about that. He says, then, when this happens, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Because of this trial, because of this trial, you're seeking me now. He says, and, 13, you will seek me, and you will find me, when you seek me with all of your heart, when you seek me with all of your heart. Sometimes we don't seek with all of our heart. We seek with a partial heart. Verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity, and I will gather you from the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Says God says, don't worry, I have a plan. So I want to tell you four things about the plans of God based upon this passage. And the first thing is this, God has good plans for you, all right? We all love that part. You know, that verse where it says, God has good plans for you, plans to, for hope and plans for a bright future. You know, it says, uh, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Man, we love that. We, God has plans. He has good plans. Some of you guys, you know that, believe it. Some of you are still struggling to believe that God would have a good plan for you. Because you don't feel it. You don't sense it. You're not living it. God has good plans for you. God's plans are good and they're great and they're hopeful. This is God's character at work. This is God's decretive, his sovereign will. God is good and he has good plans for you. He does not despise you. He does not hate you. He loves you and he has plans, good plans for you. You're not his experiment guinea pig. A lot of times we think, God, am I like, how come everybody else has got some good stuff going on? And I feel like I'm like, like some guinea pig in some kind of trick maze or I'm getting injected with these like, like diseases just to see what will happen to me. And then you're going to, you know, help other people through my experiment. And a lot of times we feel like we're some kind of experiment in God's cosmic, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, plan. Well, no, God has good plans for you. Second thing is this, sometimes his plans don't happen right away. Verse 10 says, when 70 years are completed, I will come to you. I will come to you and fulfill this promise in 70 years. God has good plans, but sometimes his plans don't happen right away. How long did they have to wait for God's plan? How, how long? 70 years. 70 years. His plans are not always our plans, and they may not happen now, 
They may not happen this year. They may not happen next year. And they may not even happen in our lifetime. But he has good plans for you. His timing is always right. Ours is often rushed. God has good plans, but his timing is not our timing, and it may not happen right away. The, the next thing about God's plans, this passage tells us, is that we need to learn to make plans. A lot of times we're like, well, God's in charge. So I'm just going to sit back and wait for things to happen. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to wait until God leads or, you know, if you have that perception that it's an opening door, it's a, I'm just going to wait till God opens the door. Well, remember, God's will is less a series of doors and more meandering path because God's purpose in his will is for you to take steps. And to take steps, you need to take plans. You have to have a plan. And the steps of the righteous are led of the Lord. And, and, and it's, it's when God begins to direct us when we start moving. So God wants you to have plans. He says this, uh, then you will call upon me and you will pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me with all of your heart. See, they, he says, you got to put some effort into it. If you want to know my plans and my will for your life, you need to put some effort in. Don't just sit around and wait for the plan of God. Don't just sit and wait for an angel to appear for you, uh, appear in front of you and to tell you what to do. A lot of times we think, well, I'm just, you know, to do nothing is better than to do the wrong thing. Wrong. Because the purpose of God's will is to shape your character more than to confirm your decisions. So you need to start moving. We have a part to play. We have a role in his plan. Things don't usually just happen. We need to learn. We need to plan. And we need to do. We need to step out. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to abundance. Aim at nothing, and you'll hit it every time. Don't be so scared to make the wrong step if you're praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, and you're moving forward. Guess what will happen? God will direct you, stop you, and move you in his will. If you're moving, all right? So God has good plans for you. His plans are not always on our time schedule. And three, you need to have plans. And here's the fourth one. We need to find what God's plans are, and we need to make those our plans. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the, uh, the plans I have for you. Call to me, pray to me, seek me, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. If God's plans become our plans when we align to his revealed decretive and perceptive will, his character and his moral will, when we align to his revealed will and way, if we will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, it will change our everyday life. We need to make God's revealed plans our plans. That is when as Matthew 6.33 says, all these other things will be added unto you. So now I want to give you another passage. I'm going to give you five things about God's will. It's about God's plans. Now what about his will? All right, God, I understand you got a good plans for me. And, and God, I understand that I need to, to step out and, and start moving in a plan and trust that you're going to lead me, God. I need to discover what your revealed plans and are for me and your will for me. But God, I need to know your will as I'm moving. So 
Here's a great little passage, um, very powerful. Proverbs chapter 2. If you want to turn to it, you can. It'll also be on the screen. Understanding God's will. Here's five things. Uh, Proverbs 2, 1 says, my son, this is uh, Solomon talking to his son. He says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, that's the filter of God's character in his word, Wisdom, when you hear Solomon talk about the wisdom of God, he's talking about, listen real tight here. He says, turn your ear to wisdom. That's God's revealed character and his revealed word. If we can understand God's perception of life, his character and how he looks at the world, and if we can know his revealed, his his, his perceptive revealed word. If we can know that, he says, if you could know the wisdom of God, he says, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, that means applying the, the creative and perceptive God's character and his will to your life. It's like, take it to heart. Don't just look at it as, as, as just counsel or just advice or an option. He says, take it to heart. If you will turn this and apply your heart to take it to heart, like deeply put it in your life. He says, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, God, what is your will? God, I know your, I know your revealed will, but God, I need your discerned will. He says, if you'll take his revealed word to heart, if you will call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If you will do this, you will find it. Listen, first thing I want you to know about God's will, God is not trying to hide his will from you. He's not trying to hide his will from you. We often think that somehow God's will is like a cosmic Easter egg hunt. You know, that God is like hidden it somewhere in life. And we just gotta, we just gotta keep finding, you know, just gotta look for it. They're like looking, is God's will under here? You know, is, is God's will under here? Is it over here? You know, we're just like, God, just tell me what to do. You know, you're just looking around. God's saying, listen, no, I'm not trying to trick you up. This is not hide and seek. I'm not hiding my will from you. That mentality actually causes us to often miss the will of God. If we will turn to his word and we will seek his understanding of the situation, his will and his way, if we will seek his revealed word and his character and see how he looks at life, if we will do this, then we will find his will. You can know it. And you can find, he says, if you'll seek to know and understand my wisdom, not your wisdom, but the wisdom of God, God says, then you will find understanding and you will find the knowledge when you cry for direction. Now, listen, we will not know everything. Sometimes God does not reveal everything, but he does reveal a lot, and what he reveals are ours to know. Deuteronomy uh, 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us, his people, and to our children forever, that we may follow the words of this law. See, God reveals clearly a lot of things. God is not 
uh, fully a mystery. He is mysterious, and we won't know all of his things and all of his knowledge and all of his secrets. You know, his ways are not our ways, but he reveals enough to know his will. Another passage in Jeremiah that we go over in, in uh, Living the Way is, is uh, I don't boast in, in my physical ability, my education, or my, my possessions, but I boast in this, that I can truly know the Lord, is what Jeremiah says. Man, I can know him. You can know him. James writing to a church that is struggling with persecution, meaning they're being arrested. Many of them are being put to death. In the context of trial, he says this. Now, we like this verse that I'm about to say. You maybe heard the verse, but you maybe didn't know the context of the verse. They're going through pain, struggle, mystery, heartache. And he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom about why this is happening to you, ask God and he will give generously to all without fault and it will be given to you. See, this is in the context of pain and struggle and mystery. God, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why my life seems to be falling apart. I'm trying to live for you, but we're being persecuted. This is what's happening. And James says, hey, if you're struggling to know God's wisdom in this, ask him. He will give it to you generously if you will seek his wisdom. Great. James 1.5, great passage. God is not hiding his wisdom and his will. Goes on to say, notice this passage in Jeremiah that we're reading in 29. He says, if you accept my words, stir up the commandments, turn your ears to apply it. If you will call out for insight, cry for understanding. If you will look as if uh, you would a treasure, then you will find understanding. I want you to write this down. Second thing, God is asking us to passionately pursue his wisdom. Here's what we generally do. We generally seek his wisdom when we're all out of ours, don't we? God, I, I don't know what else to do, so God, what should I do now? Seek first the kingdom, not seek first your kingdom, but seek first his kingdom, his will and his way. But we often will seek first our kingdom, our will and our way. And when we're exhausted and it doesn't work out in a good way that we were hoping, then we're like, God, I need you. But he's saying to us over and over again in scriptures, we need to passionately pursue his will. If you will accept it, if you will call out, if you will cry out, if you will look for it, if you will call out, if you will cry out, if you will look for it, if you will call out, if you will cry out, if you will look for it, then you will find it. Understanding that we don't have his wisdom and that we desperately need it. This is death to arrogant pride and self-reliance. Again, most of us, we spend our life doing our thing, doing our wisdom rather than God's wisdom. And then we look back and like, why did my life not work out the way I was hoping? Why am I still unhappy? I'm a Christian and I still don't feel happy. That's because you're walking in your own wisdom. You're not walking in his wisdom. Why do I find myself here? I thought if I were a Christian, uh, my money would get figured out. My marriage would get figured out. My kids would all be serving Jesus and, and I wouldn't be feeling so depressed all the time. Listen, stop walking in your wisdom. Get desperate for his wisdom, his will. You know, when Noel was uh, about 
two or three, uh, all the exciting stuff happened when I wasn't at home. And uh, there was a particular day when uh, Nicole was like uh, vacuuming and, and doing some things or laundry or something. And, and Noelle, uh, about three, you know, she just decides that she wants to go for a walk all by herself. So she opens the front door and she's, she's gone. And, and so Nicole is, uh, you know, doing work around the house. And then she starts looking for Noelle and cannot find her. She's nowhere in the house. She's nowhere outside. Uh, what do you think happens next? Pure panic, right? Pure panic. So she is literally, you know, uh, this was, gosh, 17 years ago. I don't even know if Amber Alert was out at that time. But uh, she runs outside, and she's, like, screaming, Noel, and she's running, and she's, she's running down our street and around the corner. And there's Noel with some lady. And the lady was, didn't know where Noel lived because, you know, she's barely making noise and stuff. And so uh, Noel's like, oh. you know, Nicole's like, oh. <laughs> you know, just like, where are you? You know, just going, just, she was desperate. You, you ever been in a moment like that where you've just been like, you know, nothing in this life matters right now except that total desperation. This is what Jeremiah is saying. Are you desperate? so desperate that nothing else matters but finding his will and his wisdom and his way. You know, when that moments like that happen, commando kicks in. Uh, what if we were that desperate to know God? This passage tells us if you will get desperate for it and seek it and call out for it, you will find it. Look at what else it says in that Proverbs chapter 2 verse. It says, indeed, if you'll call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver... And search for it as for hidden treasure. Then you will understand. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Says then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That means if you will seek his will, his way, his wisdom, his character, understand to seek to know his revealed word, then you will understand the fear of God and you'll get answers to what you're crying out to know. I want you to write this down. God is inviting you to know his power and his awe. When I say his power, I'm meaning his strength and his awe. You know what a common factor among all the great heroes of the Bible, they all had an incredible fear of God. Now the word fear of God does not mean reverence. You know, I'll reverence you all, you know. Shh, we're in church, be quiet, you know. It's like, shh, we're praying, shh, have, have some reverence, you know. And then, or not liking, you know, the, you know, swear words that include God and stuff. That is not, fear of God means fear. Like, somewhat afraid. No, a lot afraid. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid to stick my finger in that outlet back there. I know how powerful it is. I know not to misuse it. I know electricity can take my life. And it hurts when I misuse it. I'm afraid of electricity. But I rely upon it every day. And I'm so glad that I can charge my devices and turn the lights on. I take great comfort in its power. But I'm afraid of it at the same time. I don't mess around with electricity. I'm not sticking, you know, uh, uh, um, screwdrivers in the outlet and taking bath with a radio. You know, I'm just, I, I respect it enough 
to know you don't mess with it, but I'm comforted by it at the same time. Listen, the difference between that outlet and God is that God is a person that is relationally connected to us, but we need to have a serious fear of his power and his might and be awestruck by his awesomeness and how awful it would be for us to misuse it and take great comfort in that power at the same time. That as his kids, he will, you know, a good son or daughter has a healthy fear of their parents. But at the same time, the parents will love them and hug them and kiss on them and nurture them. But a child should also have a healthy fear of discipline when they walk out of the direction of their mom and dad. It is a healthy fear. When Jeremiah says, when the scriptures say this, Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you want to know understanding in your life, if you want to know God's will in your life, if you want to know what you should do in your life with that relationship, with that job, with, with your family, the fear of God is the beginning. And so Jeremiah says, hey, when you recognize who he is, you're going to get a healthy fear of God. And with that understanding, some of you guys, you don't fear God at all. You have reverence for him and, and you want to respect Jesus and not mistake his name in vain or whatever. But listen, God has called all of us, even Christians, to have a healthy fear and love of God. Are you afraid of the power of God? You should be because he is powerful but in his grace and mercy, he gives us something that we don't deserve. To know his great power and all to understand his ways are not yours. His will is good and greater than ours. That is the beginning of wisdom. Do you have a fear of God? Here's the next thing it says in verse 6 of chapter 2 of Proverbs. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That means God will tell you when you, God, I need to know what to do. God, I don't know what to do. God, what is your will? Well, he'll give wisdom. And from his mouth, he'll give you knowledge and understanding of what to do. He holds success in store for the upright. That means he stores up success. That means he has success waiting for you. He's, it's already there. He's stored it up. It's, it's you know, he, he's already got success in mind for you. It's already there. He stores it up. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield. That means it protects our hearts. Those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Do you want your success or do you want God's success? When it comes to understanding the will of God, again, we usually default to God when our way and will does not work out. Do you want God's success in a relationship or do you want your success? Do you want God's success in your finances or do you want your success? You know, we often will pick ours and then God is a default. See, that's why every day Jesus matters because he wants it every day. Not just the occasional nod to God and a tip to God. Do you want God's protection or do you want to try to protect your own life and your own heart? I want you to write this down. Number four, God wants you to prize his will over your will. 
Do you want to be in the will of God regardless of what you have? It's a big question. Waiting and wanting the will of God with little more than outside of the will of God with much. Sometimes the will of God is not for you to have material possessions. Sometimes it is God's will for you to have certain material possessions to be a blessing to others. Are you okay with being in the not have category? Sometimes God wants you to be in a relationship with somebody. Sometimes God's will is for you to not be in a relationship with somebody. Are you okay with being in the middle of God's will without or to be in your will with? You have got to prize his will over your will. He is storing, he holds success ready for you if you will submit to his will. He holds it for you. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. That's why I love it when people say, you know what, I may be going through a lot of pain right now and I may feel alone right now and I may feel like I'm struggling financially right now, but when I'm looking at my life, I know I'm right in the middle of God's will. Because I'm walking in his will and his wisdom, what he has already revealed. I'm walking in what he says to do. I'm not outside of his will. So even though it may not feel right, I feel blessed. And I have the joy of God because I'm right in the middle of his will. That is a beautiful place to be. In the middle of his will. Would you really want everything if it left you feeling like you have nothing? One of the most famous wealthy people, uh, families on the planet are the Rockefellers. Now, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories about the Rockefellers and Illuminati and the founding of our government. But needless to say, it is a very wealthy family with influence around the world. Back when the original Rockefeller and the, uh, um, uh, well, not one of the originals, his great-grandson, um, he was asked, um, you have so much money, how much is enough? And this is what Rockefeller said. He said, he answered uh, just a little bit more. Material possessions will never fill the soul whole. Do you want your will or God's will? You must prize his will. He says, you've got to be, you've got to pursue it like you would treasure, he says in Proverbs 2. Man, are you treasuring his will. He's got success ready for you. It's stored up. It's ready. The greatest treasure of all is to walk with Jesus, to be in his will, regardless of the situation. Seeking his will over your will is an everyday event. This is one of my favorite passages, Luke 9, 23. I'll wrap up with a couple of thoughts. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And follow me. Everybody say daily for me. Daily. Daily. This is not a Sunday event where I'm in crisis mode and God, I need your help right now event. This is a daily following. A surrender of your will to his will. Jesus says very plainly, if you want to be part of my discipleship family, if you want to be part of my kingdom, if you want to be one of my followers, it's about daily dying to your will. Picking up your cross, that means your mission, your call, what I have for you, and sometimes it's painful. That means picking up what I have for you daily. 
God desires for you to walk with him daily. God desires for you to daily know his character, to understand who he is and his character. God desires for you to daily walk in compassion for others and to know the joy and the purpose of living out compassion. God desires for you to daily to know who he says that you are, which brings peace and confidence into who you are as a child of God, if you are a child of God. God desires for you to trust him daily and to, not, uh, to know that nothing else will satisfy your soul other than him. God desires for you to daily be a person of integrity. Only then will you walk out and find success. God desires for you to be a person of humility. And only then will you know what it means to know the joy of success. God desires for you to know and to walk in his word, his perceptive, his revealed word. Only then will you know what it means to have success and understand what success even means. God desires for you to walk in purity and to walk in holiness. Only this brings the confidence in the blessings of true relationship with others and intimacy with God. God desires for you to be someone who's daily a generous person, someone who knows what success is and it brings blessing and fulfillment to your life and others. God desires for you to daily to make disciples, to speak his word, to be life to those around you, to share his hope. God desires for you to daily follow him. A passage we know, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I want you to look at this passage in light of what we're talking about today. This is what it says. Listen, I urge you in view of God's mercy, that means God's sovereign will, in view of his power and awe, in view of the fear of God and the grace of God, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's character, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That means following the revealed will of God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means aligning your thinking with God's will and ways. Seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness, seeking first his character and his word, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will discern God's will for your life. When you become who he wants you to become, then you will find you are walking in his will. When you become his will, you find you are walking in his will. That's why the will of God is not a series of doors, but a path. It's God, I'm walking in your will. As I'm walking in your will for my life, in your character and revealed word, I'm finding I'm in your will. And it's not about picking a door. It's about, God, I'm stepping, I'm planning, I'm moving, I'm seeking, and I'm walking in what I know to be true. And I'm finding that I'm right in the middle of your will every time. It's a path, not a series of doors. Problem is, most of us don't submit or align to God's revealed word. And that's the problem with some of you today and why you can't figure out God's will for your life because you're not walking in his revealed word already. Here's the last part. Proverbs 2, 9 says this. After you seek his revealed word and character, then, verse 9, you will understand what is right and just and fair and every good path. Mm. He says, man, if you will trust and know 
his wisdom, his perspective, his will, his character, then you will understand what is right. God, what should I do? You'll understand what is just. God, what should I be doing? And what is fair? God, how should I be living and and giving in every good path? God, where should I go? He says, for, verse 10, for his wisdom will enter your heart. Wow, that just hit me. His wisdom that we're seeking will enter your heart. That means it goes deep. And his knowledge will be pleasant to the soul. Satisfaction and freedom in life. Discretion will protect you. That means discerning God's will. That's the will of God, the fourth one we're talking about. And understanding will guard you. There's so much freedom in God in this, guys. Listen, when you think, well, where should I go? Well, just walk in his will. What if I make the wrong church? Uh, sorry, the, the wrong path. What if, I, what if I make the wrong decision, the wrong choice? Well, God is directing your steps. The Bible says that we prepare the horse for battle, but God places their feet on the field. Listen, we should prepare, but God will place our feet if we walk in his will. Here's the fourth thing. I want you to write this down. God is ultimately shaping you to walk in wisdom, in his wisdom and understanding. This is what it's about. Have you ever talked with somebody and said, man, when I talk to you, I feel like you're just filled with so much wisdom. Have you ever, I mean, don't raise your hands, but have you ever talked to someone like that? You mean, when you talk to certain people, you just feel like, man, it's like, it's so, there's, you know, wise counsel. You know what brings wise counsel? People who spend time walking in God's will and knowing his character and knowing his word and his revealed word. And then when you talk to them, you're like, man, that was so clear. How come I couldn't figure it out? It's about walking and learning to walk in his wisdom and understanding. And it's not always, God, what should I do? God, what should I do? It's like, you know the character of God, you know the will of God, and all of a sudden you're walking in that clarity. It's freedom. I tell you, I talk to so many young adults, they're just, they're freaked out. They're freaked out, and I talk to many of you adults, you're freaked out. God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Listen, just walk in his revealed word, and you will gain his wisdom. Write this down. This is the last thing I want you to write down. God is concerned more with who we're becoming than what we are doing. He uses the process of knowing his will to define our character and to shape our character. God cares about our choices. That's why he gave us his moral will, the word of God. But he is more concerned with forming our character than confirming our decisions. So, you don't have to be afraid. If you're walking in his revealed word, you don't have to be afraid of making the wrong choice because he is shaping you into his image if you'll just trust him in the good and the bad choices. I got a couple other passages here. I'm trying to set up. I want to read them. I'm going to read them after uh, we take the offering. So I'm going to have the offering. Go ahead and give me something to do during the offering. So I uh, want to make sure that we have time to take up the offering. So if you could pause the audio for a second. 
Uh, I'm going to come back. Uh, let's pray over the offering. God, thank you so much, Lord, for your uh, faithfulness in our church and our life. God, I pray that we would believe and trust your revealed word when it comes to generosity and our giving, that we would trust you and just walk in your will. God, oftentimes we wonder, God, what should I do? How much should I give? What? Well, his word reveals that already. If you will walk in what is revealed already, you will find yourself in the middle of his will. In this area is an example of one of many things. God, I pray for blessing upon those that give and multiply it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as the ushers are, are closing up uh, this portion of worship time, I want to read a passage to you. Look what happens when we do this, 2 Peter 1, 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. By the way, salvation is just the beginning of our faith journey. You cannot add to your salvation, but our salvation is just the beginning. All right? We don't, we don't get saved to go to heaven. We get saved to be in relationship with God and to know his will and his way. So he says, add to your faith. You can't add to your salvation, but you can add to the life that follows salvation. He says, add to your faith goodness. That means compassion. And to goodness, knowledge. That means knowing his truth, his word, his revealed perceptive word. And to knowledge, self-control. That means living out holiness in your life, walking in his will. And to self-control, perseverance. That means Patient endurance. That means when it doesn't seem like it's working, you keep doing it because that is perseverance. And the perseverance, godliness. That means reverence. That means a healthy perspective of God in our life. And to godliness, mutual affection. That means the word there's phileo, which means family love. Man, add to that just a deep brotherly love. And then he says, and to mutual affection, agape love. That means going beyond the surface handshakes and how you doing, but to a true compassionate love in action, affection for each other. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that means they're going to grow in you. That means we never arrive. That means we're always going to be increasing in these things. If we will add to our faith, if we will add to our life these things, we don't add to our salvation. We add to the life after salvation. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. That means if you will do these things, you will be effective and you will be productive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means you'll know his will. God's ultimate concern is not to get us from point A to point B, the quickest, easiest, safest, clearest route possible. His goal is for us to know him deeply and to trust him more completely. The goal is for our character to take on the character of Jesus Christ. Wisdom ultimately is not information, a system of logic, or smart thinking, this is the last slide I want to end you with. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom is a person. True wisdom is Jesus. Colossians says in verse 3, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I want to encourage you. Stop seeking just wisdom 
Seek Jesus. Know his will and his way. I'm going to put up two slides. I want you to pull out your phone real quick and take a picture of both of them. We don't have time to go over them. This one is wisdom in the big choices. What to do in life. Go ahead and pull out your phone. Take a picture of it. If you have a big decision to make, a big choice to make, ask yourself, have I searched what the Bible says? Have I sought counsel of other believers? Uh, have I committed this to prayer? What is my motivation behind this? And the, the, the granddaddy of them all, what is the wise thing to do? All right, that's the big choices. What about tomorrow morning, the daily choices? Get your phone out, take a picture of this next one. These are wisdom in the daily choices. Ask yourself, does this dishonor God? Ask yourself, does this dishonor his creation and the things that he loves, like people and others and, and uh, the things he has created? Does it help you to know God better? Does it help you to be a better person? And it should be thing, not ting. What is the wise ting to do? All right, what is the wise thing to do? So choices in the big decision, choices in the daily decisions. Really, decisions are all about understanding his will, his wisdom, his way, his character, in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, let's all stand. We're going to close in prayer. Your vertical in Christ leads to horizontal in life. All right? Go feel free to tweet that. Just kidding. <laughs> Your vertical in Christ leads to healthy vertical in life. God, thank you for your revealed word. Help us to understand it so that we can understand your will for our life. Decisions, decisions. Just to know your will and to be in it is what we want in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is the living way. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.